I'll come to the gist of this question. I'll come to the gist of this question. Whenever I come across the thought that God is in every being, I feel fine till I think of great persons as they bear some divinity quality in them. But as soon as it comes to any criminal kind of person, something obstructs me to accept that God is within him. Now this is very good. Actually, it's a complimentary thing. So then what is the role of guru or representatives of the divine? Now the thing is that in some God is in everything, but in some this divine is manifest and so much at the surface and in others he is far behind. This is the only difference. So those in whom the, the person has become conscious of the divine within and in whom the divinity has become manifest become representatives of the divine. They become the great gurus and not just great beings can be of various kinds. There can be even asuric beings who are great. But they are called as vibhutis in India or gurus. And in fact, it is beautiful because through them we can approach even more easily because it's like a completeness. We want a God in flesh and blood. So in the Guru, he comes, he becomes a God in flesh and blood. And of course, the brother goes on to say, even if the Guru has not actually realized, still if you regard, the divine within knows you are seeking and pours onto you. Now, this is a different subject altogether. But it is true for everybody. Even Shurabhita at one place said half jokingly that, yes, the divine is in all, but there are times when even I have to take in by faith. Of course, he said jokingly. What it means is he is so hidden behind the crust of matter. The thing we have to remember is we are seeing a person at a point of time. You see, at this point, it is the divine hidden behind and you may need to even engage in a duel and a strife like Krishna engaging in a war. But the same being, the same soul in process of time will grow and grow till it will manifest the divinity within. So it's just a question of time. That's all. Some are, as they say, child souls, infant souls, and there are some who are adult souls or mature souls. So this, this is the only thing. The child soul is like a baby is all the time sleeping in the womb. So if you ask a mother, baby is there? Yes, is there. I don't see it. Yes, but I know it. So it's like that. So when we identify with the consciousness of the Divine Mother, to whatever extent, we become aware of this baby we sleep asleep in everyone. Then we don't condemn people. We know that within them also divine is laboring. But he is laboring to emerge. And if we are very conscious and we have that mandate, we can even help in the emergence of the divine. Through whatever ways we are inspired. So this is the first part. Similarly, whenever I come across the statement that God is in everything, even in matters, I accept that till it comes to food or useful stuff, all those which helps us as it has some good value. But as soon as it comes to something in mind such as wastages, maybe it's the waste of industry, maybe the waste of household in the dustbin or maybe in the wastage generated from our body, I am unable to accept that there is the possibility of God in them. Mother was actually asked this question, is the divine also in waste? And she said, yes, he's everywhere. Now what is waste? We react emotionally because we are human beings. Now here let's take an example. Our own waste we are we don't mind so much but somebody else's waste we find it very disgusting. So basically this idea of waste when waste is inside the body we don't bother about it. So in creation if you see there is a cosmic waste 
matter disintegrates now you see what is the black hole the star disintegrates if you ask cosmos what is it you'll say it's a waste what are you doing with this waste i'm going to create something beautiful so again waste is something we see at a point of time if we were to follow this waste till its ultimate journey what does waste does actually it feeds a plant it's it's true we end up eating something which has been nourished on waste so there is no waste in the ultimate scheme of things but just a process of course this doesn't mean we should throw things casually because that's creating disorder and that's the only evil if at all but if we know how to use waste this awareness is coming if we know what possibilities lie in waste then we will be able to see the divine in them even there can be a beauty there are people i was seeing today image where from pure waste somebody has created beautiful pictures but you can see it from far they look like you know let's say flowers in a garden but if you go nearby it's all made of waste material so there is also beauty even things which are not of utility are beauty let's say mountain rivers have a utility okay what about mountains they have no utility but they have beauty they have strength they inspire us so in this creation there are some aspects with which we are familiar and we like to connect with let's say if i want a god who uh, is useful to me then i will be able to see only those things as divine which are useful and even the god will be like that somebody who helps me but the same god let's take an extreme image kali she cuts and drinks the blood if you really look at it from one angle there are people from a western background they say it's gory how can she be divine but why can't chinmasta she cuts her own head she's god so we have to widen our vision when we encounter it it is natural the difficulty is natural but we need to widen our vision and with this constant meditation that all is the divine we will end up realizing it that is the path many times i try to make myself understand i am successful some days but it comes again this is the process so instead of trying to mentally understand take it as a faith and meditate upon it that's why when shobindo was asked what is the best idea to meditate upon and he said the best idea is what is given in the ishopanishad the divine is in all all is in the divine and the divine is all so if we meditate on this idea isha sarvabhutanam or you know ekatvam anupashyati then slowly we will begin to experience the divine in all things and all the shrinking that we experience because we are limited beings as i said even with waste we don't shrink from our waste so much as we shrink from somebody else's waste because of the veil that's why in tantra one of the practices is you overcome all repulsion so ramakshi ramakrishna went to the extent of tasting his own vishta because you have to taste human flesh so he said this i can't do he said okay taste vishta because that is also part of our human body we have been conditioned in a certain way so we call it waste but it's part of the body which is just thrown out when it is inside the body <laughs> we don't call it waste so of course as we widen by contemplating the divine we will be able to see the divine in everything he is there even in waste uh, what we call as waste and god lies in our thoughts as well does he present even in bad thought or feelings like hatred jealousy as well well what we call as jealousy and hatred are early movements of manifestation of the divinity 
in vessels that are narrow. So in snake, to bite and kill. Now jealousy in some animals, ambition, competition, is there in animal consciousness? It's necessary. We have that famous story of Sri Ramakrishna where he goes and says a snake, why are you scaring all the children? They are so afraid they can't play football because you are here. So snake hears the sadhu says, okay, I'll, I'll not do this. So after one year when the sadhu passes by again, he says the snake is lying, tortured and he says, what happened? He says, now these children are not scared of me. So they throw stones and I become an object of fun. So what to do? You gave me this advice. So he told the snake, I told you not to bite. Did I say not to hiss? Not to scare away if somebody does that. Now see, at a certain level, these movements are necessary at a stage of evolution. That's why they came into being. In human beings, with the coming of mind, they take peculiar forms. Jealousy, anger. But in animals, they are there. Animals, you have two dogs and try giving more attention to one dog. See what happens. In animals, we don't use the word jealousy. It is necessary for their own they cannot experience straight away the state of oneness. Now, why they become negative in us even though their origin is divine? Now, if you see jealousy, its ultimate origin is, we can even say in the divine. How? If you turn to the divine, he will not allow you to belong to anybody. He will make sure that. So, all movements, anger is a degradation of that Kali Bhav, Chandi Bhav. So there is, its origin is in the divine, but in the manifestation it becomes limited and we have to restore it to its divine origin. That's all we have to do. So, but when the time has come to leave it behind, then we begin to feel it is undivine. So that's why in the beginning we were saying that the divine and undivine are conceptions necessary for action and evolution, not in their ultimate reality. If one lives in that totality of the divine, one will find everything is moving in its own way, in its own rhythm. There is nothing to be done. But the moment we come one step below in action, then we have to make a choice. So we have to make a choice between the lesser divinity and the greater divinity. To put it figuratively, divine is in Duryodhana as well as Arjuna, in Kauravas as well as Pandavas. But if we want to evolve at that point of time, it was needed to choose the divinity of the Pandavas than the divinity of the Kauravas. Yet Kauravas had their time when it was natural. They were the you know, scions of a great empire. I think that's what uh, by and large covers this question. Can something similar be said to about the happenings in life, incidents in life? Yes. We have to look at things from an evolutionary perspective. The problem is we don't have this perspective because of the idea of a static divine. Things are constantly changing. So what happens is that we think like we fix people. You know, the person is so and so. Why? 20 years back he had done this. Well, every Ratnakar has a Valmiki inside. At the level of Ratnakar, it was important that he even kills people to sustain his family. We had no other way. But a time comes when he has to go beyond. That's when if he doesn't go beyond, he will experience a struggle. And if he actually refuses, he will go through state of depression. Because if you refuse the evolutionary push inside you, but if you accept the evolutionary push, then Ratnakar changes into 
Valmiki. This is the difference. So in life, every event, as Shubhinda was asked, why do God men get married if they have to leave later on? He said, very simple. When they got married, they had not realized God. <laughs> so later on, they realized. So they left behind. He put it semi-humorously, but so true. So it's a constant progress. And for everyone, Buddha walked away. Yashoda could have also evolved and I am sure she must have evolved in her own way during the absence of her husband. So this is how we have to look at things, not as right or wrong. As I said, right and wrong, uh, especially moral right and wrong can be very misleading. So right and wrong are based on the evolutionary need of an individual. What is right at one stage for one person is not right at same stage for another person and what is right at one stage for one person is not right at another stage for the same person because there is a constant progression constant evolution and once we keep this in mind that this evolutionary manifestation even behind it within it there is the not just the passive divine presence but the dynamic divine the shakti then all problems are solved then we understand that Something was all right yesterday is no more right today. No more right, not because of a moral rule. Moral rule is forever good and bad. There is no forever good and bad. Moral rule is limited by our mental conception. But because the time has come for a new idea to manifest. Therefore, the old idea becomes redundant individually. And we know at national and global level, the same thing happens. I think that's what... Uh, Along with that, the things that happen to you, yes. these are the action and like that. Things yeah. that happen to you, uh, they can be taken as uh, coming from divine or like, how do you understand? That is another dimension. That goes into the whole creation. Does everything come from the divine? In a certain sense, yes. Ultimate sense. But the divine will is distorted through many layers. And hence what actually comes finally is so distorted that though originally the divine will is there, but it's very distorted. So in world as it is, we can start with this conception and live by it. But then we have to live it thoroughly and not say he is cruel when you know things don't go well. But to give an example, let's say that there is a the divine in creation. There are many beings who have gone into play. We spoke about the godheads. Now out of these godheads, there are many sub-gods, sub-deities, forces, beings, energies. And then there is the individual. So let's say that the divine as the great being who is sitting out there wants uh, X to have some, let us say, a dish of many kinds of food. So he passes the order to the next person. Please provide him. He is busy with whole creation and that is the chain. These are his veils and his works and his shadow. It is not that there is only divine and me. If that was the case, there is no problem. But many layers of evolution and forces have come into existence. That is why the divine action is very complex. What you are speaking about is divine action. Now this person passes down the chain. Let's say he is one of the godheads. He says, okay, fine. I can make the thali. You God make the puris. You God make the sabjis. And it has to be passed on. So he does that. Passes on to the next. Next says, originally it was soneka thali. He says, why soneka thali? Let me keep the soneka thali and give a steel plate. And at another level he says, why so many nice vegetables and all this? Let me keep some. By the time you receive it, it's one Sukha Puri with some, you know. Now you say divine has given me this. Maybe it has also become 
<laughs> poison us through all this. That's because of the number of factors which have come into place. So divine action is very difficult to understand because of this play of complex forces and also the human receptivity. Now, if you receive it with this idea, it is divine, even if it is poison. That's the story of Mira. It will become Prasad. But most of us don't have that kind of faith. And if you don't have it, it is better to know that, you know, we are still bound and therefore we make the choice. So we can live with this faith that there is nothing which is bad, nothing evil. And if we really, really live, but it's very difficult to live, then eventually he will modify us and change us through that. But a more balanced approach is that we should make choices. We should know that everything that happens in the world does not is not a direct expression of the divine will. Divine does not want to give us pain or spoil our fun and, you know, punish us as we know already. These are human conceptions, yet people experience pain. Where does it come from? It comes from these intermediary beings who mistranslate the divine will and that intensity of force which is transmitted down and the limitation of the instrument, it experiences even the divine bliss as pain. We read that line. How does it happen? He stung himself with bliss and called it pain. Let's say that, you know, pain comes. Why? Because we are narrow. Take intellectually. Why does pain come? I have certain idea about life and the world does not show that. It challenges my conception. So I feel pained at the world. I have a certain feeling for someone or something. And I want that thing to be exclusively mine. But it doesn't because nothing belongs actually to anyone. So I experience pain. I, it can apply to every level, even physical level. So intellectually, emotionally, at the level of passion. I have certain energies. I want to do something. I want the results. The results don't come to me. So I experience pain. Does it mean the effort was waste? No. It has gone into the creation. It will have its work. Even if I don't bear the fruit. But it's my selfish and egoistic engagement with creation that brings pain at the physical level when there is an illness I can experience it as a massive changeover and workings of the divine force within till one day the body itself can wake up to the sense of divinity within or I can take it as oh cruel torturer is giving me pain all my life I prayed to him so it is always limitation ignorance and narrowness and smallness that gives pain and we can almost say that the narrower and smaller we are, the more pain we will experience at all the levels. And therefore we can say the remedy is wideness. Either by contemplating the boundlessness of space and endlessness of time or by contemplating the divine who is in all things, in all beings and referring everything that happens to us as to the divine. You must be knowing why it is happening to me. So that's a good attitude to take. But there is a difference between attitude and the actual play. But if we take that attitude that whatever is happening to me is coming from the divine, then our progress does get hastened. And therefore, he then the whole universe begins to unfold like that. Then after a while, more and more direct intervention of the divine takes place. Because he bypasses, we get close to him. So he need not act through all these intermediaries. And there is a direct action and even the body can then experience states of bliss. Of course the heart and mind can. That's why the Vedic Rishis when they spoke of the divine, 
it's a question word they didn't use the word like that they said satyam truth ritam the right law of things which has nothing to do with moral right and wrong right law the law of truth in its unfolding and vrahatam vast and what is it it is ananda so this again the wider we become the more delight we will experience so the question is how do the undivine forces help in evolution so first we are clear now that divine and undivine is a in action we have this approach ha ultimately they both merge in the divine they change into now what we call as undivine in the ultimate mystic senses all that comes in the way of our divine becoming divine unfolding that's how undivine has to be understood not in terms of bad nature and good nature that is a human conception so all that like for instance attachment with the family now undivine forces can use this to tie you and bind you and prevent you from going further so this first of all what is undivine and then at another level there are forces which are hostile to the divine actually hostile to the divine which will throw doubts confusions and depressions while one is walking toward the divine how do they help us very simple you see in every factory when you have uh, you know in japan they make six sigma perfection so how do they do it when a product is coming out you they test it so if it is good they accept it otherwise it's thrown back into the bhatti in that fire furnace so what they do is actually they are instruments of sincerity they help us understand that we have not yet realized we are on the path but we have not arrived at some basic goal this one help that they provide which is a great help if you really look at that's why they are there they are in their origin instrument of sincerities but they have become in their actual action very painful beings second is if you really look at they show us our limitations what are our limitations what are our weak spots what are the imperfections that we still have so they help us in noticing them and therefore paradoxically they help in awakening aspiration see people ask mother that mother why is it that outside we feel so much aspiration was there though there was so much pain and struggle but when we come here we don't have that kind of aspiration she said yes because you are bathed in a sea of consciousness ocean of love so people don't aspire so they are in the ocean but they have no thirst and no need to drink the love which she is pouring but when you are outside and you experience the pain and the struggle what happens at the end of the day say ma 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 isn't it so they also help in awakening the aspiration so both these currents from the describes in savitri are two currents of the two pole needed for the world play on the other side the divine outpouring upon us so that we can light up the fire on the other side this darkness which comes from below and the two create a friction both ultimately help in awakening the aspiration but the divine action is more direct and much more preferable the undivine also ends up helping it because he gives us all the lashes <laughs> in the, in the face of yama you aspire for mahakal so they have this purpose now if we can consciously aspire there will be no need of pain they will lose their importance that's why there is a very nice saying of kabir 
सुख में सिमरन सब करे दुख में करे ना कोई जो दुख में सिमरन करे जो सुख में सिमरन करे तो दुख काहे को होए सुख में तो एवरीबॉडी रिमेम्बर ओ आई गॉट दिस ब्यूटीफुल ग्रेटिट्यूड टू यू व्हेन थिंग्स आर गोइंग फाइन बट व्हेन द मोमेंट थिंग्स डोंट गो वेल ओ मदर यू हैव फॉरगॉटन मी यू हैव डन दिस नाउ वेरी ऑफन इवन इन वी हैव टू रिमेम्बर द डिवाइन एट ऑल टाइम्स नाउ व्हेन वी रिमेम्बर मेक दिस हैबिट it's not only when i am in distress that i will run to divine then then we'll say okay distress 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 but when all the time even when i am with friends people are there i am remembering the divine then after a while the undivine forces will go back and say we have served our work is done with this fellow so can we go back he'll say yes leave this fellow <laughs> you, you have no more role in his life and then all is the divine all is bliss all is beauty that's why you will see even in movements of nature let's say anger and lust and fear in the beginning it's a way of life because and then we go to temple or ashram and we say ma 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 you know then later on when the time has come to go beyond then the same movement begins to give pain inward pain don't feel happy about it nobody will see it they will see anger but you know inside that you are not happy then the next step is that it become weaker and weaker and only touches the body and then momentarily and passes away then after a while it completely goes so even forces of nature the adverse forces and the undivine forces act through that also so mother has said they are meant for testing you on the path and for awakening the aspiration so that we arrive at perfect perfection not just some experience inside like old yogis and outside nature is the same it doesn't matter there are sadhus like that 